So you've been wanting to research companies, uh, but you don't necessarily have the time to do it yourself, or you don't know how to do it yourself. Um, in this series of videos, I'm going to be going step by step through my entire process from beginning to end on how I find companies, what I look for when I do my initial research on the companies. If they pass my initial research, how do I value and evaluate them after reading their financial statement? I will go step by step, including valuations when we get to that point in how to evaluate companies. My name is Jason Rivera and welcome to Value Investing Journey Case Studies. Hey, Jason here. In today's case study video, we're continuing to go through ASXFY's financial statements. Um, still in the 10K here. This is part two of going through the 10K, or in this case, the uh, 20F, their annual report. Um, last time we left off talking about just kind of general stuff, how I set up my research, how I set up my notes, um, things of note or my three sections on my reports, um, Jennifer Info, uh, things of note and risks. Um, and we just kind of left off there. We, uh, we left off with about page 21 and I'll scroll back up to that. Uh, this is starting or ending at page 42 here. Um, but let me scroll back up here to figure out where we left off. So this is where we kind of left off last time, the beginning of page 21. Today we're going to talk a lot about compensation, which this word means remuneration. This is remuneration is compensation for executives, directors, insiders at the company, our uh, main uh, key insiders at the company. Um, we're talking about, what else are we talking about? Um, a lot of this kind of stuff, a lot of stuff that would normally be in a proxy report is in this because, again, 20Fs are different from 10Ks. They are the same thing in terms of them both being annual reports, but non-US-based companies also put their proxy statement or the information that would normally be in their proxy statement inside of their annual report as well. So we're getting to a lot of this stuff, and I'll give you my thoughts on all this, and then we'll get to the notes um, because the notes I had were significant. I think we stopped at page eight pages last time. We're up to 21 now. A lot of that has to deal with this kind of stuff. Again, how they compensate managers and directors and insiders. So starting right off the bat, I like – I'm a big believer in the power of incentives, um, and Charlie Munger talks about this quite a bit. If you have the right incentives aligned, it's easy to get things done and get high performance out of people. If you do not, and they're confusing, um, then you will have confused people who don't know what the main goal of the company is. This company has a ton of, in my opinion, convoluted compensation. It's not necessarily convoluted as it's hard to understand, but it's frankly ridiculous um, the amount of information that's in here and again most of the notes I we started at eight pages of notes or we ended at eight pages of notes at the first session uh, first case study and before I go any further you should, if you want to see those videos before you watch that they will be linked below or above this video depending on where you're watching this um, but again we start we ended at eight pages last time to get back to my original point 
We ended at eight pages after session one, which was about 21 pages, 20, 21 pages. And after session two, which is by itself is 21 pages. Again, we're up to 21 pages of notes. Um, so what I want to start off with here is they have two different kind of categories of incentives here, at least in terms of the board. This is kind of the board. There's different layers here um, as well. Okay, so this is the board's assessment of the company's financials. So this is the board assessment of the of their target goals. They have financial objectives, which make up 50% of compensation, or of their goals. Non-financial objectives, which make up 50, another 50%. So four things here in financial objectives: reasonably straightforward. I don't know why, frankly, this is here. That doesn't make any sense. Um, earnings per share, I don't like. I don't really even like that, frankly. Um, NPAT, if I was going to do it anyways, it'd be no PAT, uh, net operating profit after tax, um, or just purely EBIT, which is earning before tax, which is operating income. Um, so I don't like any of these, Frank, to be frank. Revenue growth, okay, I can kind of understand that. What I what I typically like to see with financial objectives is, again, incentives. I want operating income, something about mentioning about operating income growing, something about uh, RYC growing, um, shareholder values, not bad to see, and they talk about that a little bit in here. Um, growing, that's not a bad one in here. Um, and frankly, that's pretty much it that I can think of off the top of my head, things I like to see in compensation plans. So none of these meet that criteria. These are just kind of, if your revenue is growing but your margins suck or your margins are getting worse, it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't like your uh, net income, which is essentially what these both are. Um, and dividends per share, frankly, I don't care about it at all. So these, to me, don't align insiders or the goals at the company with shareholders and then these frankly are most of these are insane um build strong partnerships with clients and a customer focused culture okay that's nice to say how do you measure that continued engagement with customers to deliver tangible benefits that sentence literally says nothing Significant growth in OTC clearing value. That's decent, but again, it doesn't talk about significant growth. Usually that means they just want to grow revenues or contracts or whatever it is. That doesn't talk about profits or anything. This one is more of a competitive advantage. That one's not bad. I don't have any idea what that means. That one's too vague. That one's too vague. I like very specific goals. I want ROIC to be 10% or we're not getting, for example, a goal I would set. It would be, I want our ROIC to be 10% company-wide or XYZ people in the company are not getting bonuses. These are just generally general. These are too vague. These aren't specific. They don't 
even show really any kind of goals with what they're trying to do. Same here. Good progress on technology initiatives. Operational performance benchmarks not met. So this one's a little bit important. This one, what's good? Is it 10%, 25%? Is it a certain dollar amount? What is that? These are literally useless goals, in my opinion. This one is important. It's a technology-based company, so if they're not meeting their goals of uh, the systems being up not, uh, better than 99.9% of the time, then they didn't meet that goals. That's a, that's a big deal. Obviously, that's important. Okay, that one's decently important. This is not really talked about here. talked about above or uh, below, I think, um, where they're looking to replace this one of their software programs with this and they literally looks like it spent two years kind of just researching on if it would be a good deal that's not a good <laughs> use of time or resources in my opinion spending that large amount of time on something like that uh, regulatory compliance that's a decent goal These are decent, but still, how does this, I know, I know what they're trying to say, but they don't say it. How does this help the company grow? What they should have said is something along the lines of, we need to continue being the best company, regulatory company, best, um, with that has the highest standards. So more people will list with us and we want X, Y, Z amount of people to list with us because of this, something like that. Same thing here, that's useless. And it's not useless as in culture. I'm a big believer in culture. It's a useless statement. Build a strong performance culture with highly gauged team. Literally, that fits 100% of companies in the entire world. Um, these are pretty much all useless. Workplace health and safety, lost time injury. I don't know how people would get injured in this line of work. It's all software and technology based as far as I know. And up to this point in the thing, so I don't know how people would get, I'll start talking about like carpal tunnel syndrome. That's a pretty useless statement. Again, I want something specific. Be recognized as a positive contributor to Australia's economic future, okay? by doing what? Listing XYZ amount of companies, Australian companies help XYZ amount of Australian companies or Oceanic and Southern Pacific companies go public in an XYZ time in the next year, for example, something like that. These are just bleh. And you can tell a marketing or an HR person wrote these kind of things because they they literally talk about nothing most of the time. So moving on, um, then they get into, and this again, these kind of sections make up the overall kind of general structure of their targets. These aren't specific goals, most of them. So how the hell are people supposed to know in the, inside the company if they've met their goals and bonuses or not? I bet you most of them don't. I bet you if there was a survey that asked, do you understand 
based off of this information only. They might have other internal docs that they send out, but based off this information only, what your goals are for this year in, let's say, the marketing department or the sales department or the technology department. I would, I don't know what these mean. Obviously, maybe they've sent out internal memos about this kind of stuff that they don't release publicly, but that's just the useless information up there. And that's those make up the kind of bonus and salary structures. So here we get down to more complexity because they break it down into short-term and long-term incentives. This is only for the CEO and deputy CEO um, participate in this plan, long-term plan. This is talking about how they award performance rights and grants and ordinary shares and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. This is kind of straightforward for CEOs. This is reasonably straightforward. I didn't see any major things of note in here that would have caused concern. But <laughs> then you get into even more complexity. They base this off of their earnings per share going up. They base the bonus off total shareholder return going up. And there are ranges, which adds even more complexity. More complexity here. This talks about past, what they do in the past. This is all information here, what happens. When they get bonuses, when they vest, all these kind of things. Again, adding more and more and more complexity on the this already complex situation that they've created with themselves. Counting treatment of long-term, um, these long-term investments. Again, more complexity because they have to account for all of this. So they get to, what is this? See, I don't even know what the hell this means. I'm assuming price of grant, volatility, I don't even know what the hell that's measuring. PA, discount rate, I don't know what that is. Dividend yield, I know what that is. Fair value of performance rights as of these dates and time. Performance rights as of these days and time. Rated average. See, I don't even know what this number, this final number is down here. I don't know what that is. Is that the amount they get based on these dates and time, based off these performance metrics? Again, super complex, super, frankly, frustrating to read. When I see stuff like this, it doesn't necessarily mean something bad is going on, but it makes me think that there might be something bad going on because it's so complex. This really isn't important. This is their service agreements for these uh, executives in the company. This talks about how, what happens if somebody is fired for a cause or if they resign, what happens to their, um, their rights. This is important. This was big in the recession where all those people were getting what were called the golden parachutes, like hundreds of millions of dollars in executive pay when their companies were going bankrupt and they were firing tens of thousands of people. This is important. This gives the, the company the ability to claw back, which is essentially take that some of that portion of that money back of these investments. Uh, was it 20%? Yep, 20%. 
up to 20%. So, I mean, it's not a huge deal. If, I mean, if somebody's getting hundreds of millions of dollars, they're not in this company, um, which we'll talk about shortly. But this is still a big deal. It's something nice to see that in here. Again, don't care about net profit after tax because you can make your tax rate whatever you want. Earnings per share, which is based off net income, don't care. Dividends per share, don't care. Share price at the end of the year, this is important. This is good to see. Strong growth in the share price. Talking about how they pay non-executive directors. Director fees. This is insane. They approved up to $2.8 million per year for director's fees. That's insane. Typically, the amount is 10 to kind of 20,000 for the companies I research, which this company is, if I remember right, is about a five, $500 or $600 million company. So, this is the exact size of company I normally research. I usually research companies under $500 million. They've approved just $2.8 million, up to $2.8 million just for the directors. Again, normally each director for these sizes of companies gets ten dollars to $20,000. So you'll see down here what kind of money they're paying their directors. And they're seeking to raise it to $3 million. Again, <laughs> insane. I want everybody to be rich. I want to be rich. I want everybody to be rich. But... When you're looking at a company like this, you have to think this is shareholder money. This is essentially your money that they're giving to these directors. And that is a lot of money. Again, ten dollars to $20,000 is typically what I've seen. So I'm going to zoom out here. This is the... Does this, does this include directors? No. So this is executives in the company and former executives in the company. These are the current ones. These are the formal ones. What you'll see here, I frankly I've never seen this before. They pay their former director or executives significant money based off their prior fees, their or not prior fees, prior performance rights, prior shares, etc. Whatever they earned, invested, they are paying out three and a half. So 4.8, uh, 5.2, let's just round up, 6, six and 7. So they're paying about $7 million a year to just their former executives. <laughs> I've never seen something like this before. That's insanity. Um, they're paying more for their former executives, which I'm assuming one or multiple of these people are founders, which is why they're getting paid so much of the company. We haven't gotten that far yet. But they're paying more for their former executives than they're paying for their current executive team. Does that make any sense whatsoever? No, <laughs> it shouldn't. Again, insanity. And the, again, these aren't necessarily major risks. $9 million from every year from a $600 million company. It's not a gigantic deal. These are just some of my pet peeves 
that make me think that this these insiders and executives don't have shareholders best interests at heart again i want everybody to ri be rich i'm working to become massively wealthy myself i am working to help others become massively wealthy in my consulting jobs um, i have nothing no issues with people becoming rich but when you're talking about shareholder money which again this is that's when i have an issue These are previous year awards that vested during this year. So they've got another, what is it about? About 10 million coming out for future awards, it looks like, or future or present awards. Again, insanity, and a lot of that's going to their former executives who no longer work at the company. This guy's been gone since 2015. They're still paying him. What is that? Note eight. Following restructure during the year, these executives cease to be classified. Okay, so I need to research on what that is more. But again, insanity. They're paying. This is the final year. Totally. Up. So this year they're going to be paying one, one point eight. 3.3 and 4.3. So 4.3 million to former executives who no longer work at the company. This guy's been out of work for the company for by this time or almost three years now. Never seen anything like that before. This is talking about how their short term. Um, short-term incentives blah 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 again all this is just kind of adding up to making me think or making me feel like the company again not is not necessarily doing anything illegal but it's a pet peeve of mine or ne not even necessarily in tour they're just paying themselves way more than they should especially the former executives i don't care current executives if you're doing a good job make as much money as you want the former executive things again i've never seen that before I've seen, like, if they have a contract or something, but literally that's, there's, what, five or six executives listed up there that they're still paying. That's crazy. This talks about the number of shares, of their ordinary shares. Okay, here's where we get to more fun stuff. Director's fees. Look at those numbers. Again, most companies in this range, and again, I, I research companies worldwide, so this just isn't a U.S. thing. Most companies in this kind of range get ten to twenty thousand dollars a year to be a director. The most I think I've seen, at least off the top of my head, I mean I've seen some crazy numbers, but I've never seen anything like this for directors. I think I've seen the most I've seen was like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars. Literally every single one of these people are getting more than. $100,000 except for in 2017 except for people who are former directors and this person right here who was just appointed for part of the year. Everybody else is getting more than $100,000 and most of these people are getting over $250,000 a year. 
typically directors, why they get paid so little is not because they're not important, because frankly, they can bring a lot of knowledge and influence and connections into your business if they are the right kind of directors and they have knowledge in the industry, connections, whatever it may be. But to pay them $100,000, dollars $500,000 a year when they meet typically four to six times a year is insane unless they're bringing you a 10x on that number. So unless unless literally these executives are bringing $24 million to the table at least in return business, uh, knowledge, experience, uh, risk management, whatever the case may be, this is just wasted money. It's literally a $2.4 million that's just completely wasted, in my opinion. Again, this isn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things, $2.4 million. This is a $500, $600 million company. Um, it's just, again, a pet peeve of mine. Here's their equity holdings for the non-executive directors. Okay, here's where we get to their, so that was just all remuneration, their compensation for insiders, or high-level executives in the company, and their board of directors. So, take a breath. All that was pretty much not good information in my opinion, except for the clawback thing. That was it. All that was, for the most part, again, not necessarily bad in most people's opinions, but it's a pet peeve of mine because it makes it look like they don't care about shareholder's best interests, using shareholder capital in the best way, um, those kind of things. 